head on over to patreon.com forward slash severe podcast right now to support the podcast and sign up for our premium content and now here's the podcast graham mcdonald is an idiot sean sheehan of severemma.com he even has the audacity to call himself the quote-unquote pod god this is Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. The Severe MMA podcast is finally here. Welcome, welcome everybody. It's episode 301 of the Severe MMA podcast. My name is Sean Sheehan, joined today by the Virgil van Dyke of Irish MMA media, Graham MacDonald, as we talk about... You know what, we're talking about a huge week in the world of MMA next week, which is going to be absolutely fantastic. Last night, maybe not the best in the world, but we'll get that out of the way quick, so if you want to skip that, probably like go 10, 15 minutes, 20 minutes maybe into the podcast. Actually, maybe about 5 minutes, it was so boring. But anyway, uh, so we're going to talk about all that, some matchmaking news as well, so we will get all into that. But before we do that, we must mention that this podcast is presented by our friends over at Manscaped. Remove them from winter now. And St. Patrick's Day is almost up, I know, in Ireland. It's maybe not to say, but we'll I'm sure we'll be celebrating at home and everything like that. So if you're feeling lucky, uh, sign up at Manscaped to they use the promo code SEVEREMMA at Manscaped.com. They're global leaders in below-the-waist grooming. They sponsor this show to ensure that the best tools for your ball trimming rituals are available. So if you plan on getting lucky this St. Patrick's Day, you might as well use the code SEVERE MANSCAPE for 20% off and free international shipping. Um, myself and Graham, obviously, I, don't, I, I absolutely love the Manscaped um, mints. And, you know, that's the one thing about Manscaped. What? These are shaving. I, lo- I am addicted to their mids, so get them. If you're getting the, the 3.0, which we'll talk about in a second, uh, the, the performance package, if you're getting anything from Manscaped, throw in a, uh, uh, you know, some mints with it. The I know the uh, the jocks are absolutely brilliant. The lads, uh, Ken absolutely loves them. You can get this package as well where um, you can get, like, a monthly thing or a, a, every two months, I think, where they send you a new pair of jocks. So they're absolutely brilliant. So, um you're in luck with us this week because Manscaped's performance package is the ultimate men's health bundle, including this package is the Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Trimmer, uh, which is waterproof and uses a 9,000 RPM motor power 360 degrees rotary blade system. Uh, 79% of people polled admitted that long hair uh, is a major turnoff, so why not use the best tools for the job there? The bundle also includes the Lawnmower 3.0, which I mentioned earlier on, the best trimmer on the market for your balls, butt, and body. Where's my around? here somewhere hold on oh i don't know it's in bag there hold on uh third generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming incidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology and i feel confident and more confident than ever uh getting the thunder down there so i can have festive uh be festive and safely done as well with your shamrock in your boobs 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 what pubes <laughs> I'm leaving that in for St. Patrick's Day. And you and your partner will get lucky, all right? Their lawnmower 3.0 will showcase the pot of gold like no other. Let's not forget their famous liquid formations, the crop preserver, which I absolutely love. It's brilliant. And the crop preserver, reviver ball toner as well to maximize your ball hygiene. It's basically deodorant for downstairs. So get the performance package 3.0 to receive their free gifts, the Manscaped boxes and shovel, travel shed bag, which the travel shed bag I have there is absolutely brilliant. Uh, if we could go anywhere. The performance package is 
the best value Manscaped has to offer and is hot to the shelf. So get 20% off and free shipping with the promo code SEVEREMMA, S-E-V-E-R-E-M-M-A at manscaped.com. Also, every purchase at manscaped.com goes uh, towards contributions made to the Testicular Cancer Society to bring awareness to testicular cancer, men's health and early cancer detection, which is absolutely brilliant. Uh, so get 20% off, free shipping with the code SEVEREMMA at manscaped.com. It's 20% off. Free shipping with the code severe MMA at manscaped.com. So, Graham. Um, help us help you. Help us help you, indeed, indeed. We also have something cool coming up later on, and it's it's brilliant, but we'll announce that in, in the next uh, 15 or 20 minutes or so. R- something really, really cool, which won't, won't cost you anything, but it's it's uh, it's really fun. So, we will, uh, we'll tell you about that in a few minutes when we get to next week's card. But last night's card, Graham. You know, actually, we we talked a lot about kind of inside the podcast last week and the way we uh, do the podcast and everything like that. You know, we have to obviously call things the way it is and tell the truth and everything. But I I think the two of us kind of tried to be a little bit more positive about everything recently. You know, there was a lot of negativity this time last year with the pandemic when events being called off at all. And I think everyone just need to be a bit positive and they're doing things good way now and the fights are really good and all and you know it's it's been a, it's been a positive enough time in the world of MMA because there's enough negativity outside of that but last night was so bad <laughs> it's like there's nothing to, you know okay there was a couple of good fights we, we will get to it but overall god what a boring night and it was it was one of those cards as well you're looking at it coming in you're like what nine fights 1am main card so it's not going to be that late, you know, it's it's one of those ones where you're kind of bang up for it. I love the main event, the co-main event could be good. Few fun cards down or fun few fun fights down through it, but overall it was just one of those ones where nothing really I saw on my boy Robbie Fox. There wasn't one blog blog worthy thing for uh Barcelona Sports to put up and it was one of those it was like yeah, yeah, nothing really happened here, did it? Yeah, like I, I was, I was planning on staying up and watching it, and like it never happens to me that I fall asleep when I like. Sometimes I'll, I'll say, "Oh, I'll watch it in the morning if I have something to do or whatever." <laughs> but when I plan to stay up, I very, very, very rarely, if ever, fall asleep. And during this one, I fell asleep during the during the uh, De La Rosa Bueno Silva fight, and mm-hmm. just woke up and had to download and watch uh <laughs> download from the bt sports app is it is that where you oh are? yeah 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 you know yourself <laughs> I, know, I know myself yeah you have to download I, I, you know sky have, sky yeah. go you know and watch it there yeah, yeah. sky q you sky, know you yeah. have to download stuff these days <laughs> all that stuff <laughs> yeah that's exactly it but yeah it was, yeah yeah that's exactly what i meant to say <laughs> that's it it's funny though sometimes these cards they kind of just they kind of get taken away and we had the uh like the first four fights of the night three went to decision but the other one was like you know two minutes from the decision that was kind of a beat down by uh by ronnie lawrence you know, in, the, in the first fight of the night dustin jacoby won 29 28 over max christian close enough fight um that one but i think a lot of people were kind of saying that jacoby was uh was the deserving winner there did my actually my uh, Xbox kind of gave out halfway through this so I had to switch over to the TV so I missed the end of the third round and a lot of or the, the half of the third round so a lot of people were saying that was the, the counter but I think this was the start the, the probably the most interesting thing on last night's card was Michael Bisping's judging commentary which was very surprising for me I'm like uh, excuse me because the, the lads over in the Sound of Violence this week sent me a little video of Bisping on his podcast and he read out the criteria you know, he actually just opened the criteria on the internet and read it out. And apparently he did like a five minutes talking about it and went through it and stuff. 
And now he's, it's, oh, and you know, it's as if magic, he turns into fucking Shawnee Bisping, talking about nothing but judging well, for the whole night. It was. <laughs> who, who would have thought a tiny bit of research uh, into the rules of uh, the game you're commentating on would be uh, advisable? And literally just a tiny bit. All he did was read it like, and it just changed his whole uh, commentary style. It's, uh, you know, fantastic. And I'm not, I'm not giving out about him or anything. And look. Yeah, fair play to him. He's improved. You know, he, he's he's done it. Like, you know, a lot of other commentators haven't done it yet. So even though we're joking about him, like, you know, we put in the effort. He took the time, obviously. And now he's trying to implement the, the new things he's learned. And sometimes it's hard to kind of get out of your, your old ways when you're in there. But I thought he did it well, you know. Might not necessarily agree with every round he, he he scores, but he seems to have definitely have a better grasp of what's going on and kind of explaining to the to the casual viewer that although you you might be lying on top of the guy, it's it's about the impact of the strikes and who landed the better strikes. And I think he did a very good job of implementing some of that into the the commentary. Yeah, a hundred percent. And Bisping has been one of those guys as well, where he roars lads down. You know, he talks commentators down. He was doing it with John Gooden one time, and John Gooden kind of said something like that. He's not it's more about impact than it is control. And he was like, "No, if you're in there, you've never been in there, and you don't." You know, he's one of those guys. So, for, if that person can be changed by reading the criteria, then there is hope for what I've been trying to do for the last couple of years and what all the judges are probably sitting at home fucking frustrated out of their heads, which then they can't really say too much because of the position they're in and it takes people like uh, us to do it. But um, yeah, fantastic. I heard, I, I heard a rumor Bisping was just reading your tweets on the screen and yeah. just uh, <laughs> forming his opinion from that. Yeah, he probably was. Although I wasn't tweeting that much early, so yeah, he, he might have been. But uh, yeah, fantastic job. Like, and John Hannick, it's weird with John Hannick because John Hannick knows the rules and he's read the criteria, but he seems to be one of those lads who wants to have his own criteria, you know, who wants, oh, I, want, I think this should mean more than this, when it doesn't mean more than that by the, the written rules. So, yeah, I'm not a big fan of that, to be honest. That's even more yeah, frustrating. Like, uh, to be when honest. people say, ah, yeah, but it was a real fight, but well, yeah. it's not. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's exactly it, yeah. So, that was a bit. Of, and, and Felder, then, I suppose, is, uh, is the good third man. I don't think he is as read up on the judging as most people, but it's all right. He, he doesn't he doesn't get too egregious with it anyway, so it wasn't bad. But yeah, I suppose it's he's next his... on the the Shawnee hit list. <laughs> he's next on the hit list. Carmi was gotten to Bisping was gotten to Felder. You're next. So uh, yeah, but uh, do you know what? I was very impressed with uh, with Ronnie Lawrence actually early in the car. He looked a very good prospect, very good on top. Um, the stoppage, there was a lot of talk about this stoppage, and some people were saying it was very late. I thought it was absolutely perfect, to be honest. Now, Vince Cachero took a lot of shots. Don't get me wrong. I'm you know, I'm not saying that he, he you know it was an even fight and then someone got caught and that was that. Cachero took a lot of shots, but he was moving it was constantly. A flurry. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't like any big, huge shots. Like it wasn't like, oh, that elbow really hurt or that punch really hurt. It was just a flurry and, and the ref was kind of on top of it telling him to move and he was moving, like, but it just kinda there was so many unanswered strikes then that I think the, the stoppage was justified and all fine. Yeah, and I uh Jaron Vallel, look, I don't think he's the best referee in the world, so it's not as if this is just Herzog and I like him or Goddard and I like him as a ref and I'm giving him a bit of leeway. You know, I don't think he's the you know the, the the premier ref in the world, but I I just think he did a good job. Like the thing about MMA is right. The, if you just look at punch stats or someone getting punched and say right he's getting punched thirty times in a row, why isn't the fight stopped? Well, like we could we'd see a hundred fights in. Uh, why wasn't Cyril Gagne versus uh, Rosenstruck stopped last night? He probably hit him thirty times unanswered in a row in one of those rounds. Well, because they weren't big concussive blows, he wasn't near near to being stopped. 
okay, it's a little bit different. The guy's on the ground and he's it's harder to defend yourself and stuff, but he's moving. You know, he's trying to get his head out the way, trying to adjust, wasn't out at any stage. I mean, you know, might have been stuck in a few positions at some stage where it was hard and he was taking a few shots in the head, but it wasn't as if he was just lying there knowingly taking them or, you know, unable to defend, to take himself. Your man was stopping him from doing it, but he was trying. And every couple of seconds before he got overwhelmed, he moved. And then maybe it was another 10 seconds and he moved again. But I think at the end, when he kind of got to his knees, when he kind of, his hands were out and he took the two shots right up through the middle from Ronnie Lawrence and he couldn't defend him. He wasn't getting the hands up to defend him. The referee stepped in and stopped it. I, like, I think it's a very good example of a great stoppage. I think it was a perfect stoppage, to be honest. So that's that. But overall, you know, as I mentioned, Ronnie Lawrence, I think he's very, very good. I like him a lot uh, as a fighter. One of these guys who is... Um, you know who is just pig-headed will go and that's a, a compliment you know go out and just take the fight away from someone and he came out afterwards i absolutely loved it in his uh interview and they were like oh perfect performance he was like no my striking was off it wasn't good enough i'm not happy with that performance and that's when you see someone send that you Always see a winner time. you see a winner yeah 100 percent. that's that man is like a winner it's like what they say if somebody looks happy with the silver medal at the olympics they're probably not going to be back in four years with the gold medal yeah. but if you you know, if you're harden yourself and always strive for more, then that's a really good sign for uh, for a fighter or for an athlete. Yeah, 100%. So I'm very, very impressed with him. Um, I suppose Alexis Davis versus Sabina Mazza was the fight that had most controversy in terms of the judging, maybe. It was Mazza landed the harder shots in round one, but Davis got a takedown uh, and dominated on the ground. A very close round. I probably would have just given it to Davis, maybe. I love it. Was, it was one of those ones that was very, very close. Um, I don't think Mazza did enough like with big immediately impactful shots early to a hundred percent wind around with someone on top of you and landing shots throughout it and going for submissions and stuff so it was one of those that could have gone either way but the other two i think the, the judge did all three judges gave all three rounds to alexis davis so you know that one was probably the close one and then the other two ones uh, the, the second was relatively close as well davis landing lots of leg kicks and Mazo landing punches to the head but I think the leg kicks had more impact uh, than the punches to the face although you know maybe Alexis Davis's nose might tell you a little bit different because that was a bit marked up and stuff but she does mark a little bit easily so uh, the leg kicks were very good from Davis and then Davis in the third round got the fight to the ground early and basically that was that so um, you know good win from Alexis Davis she's been around for a long time and, and she needed it uh, as well um, Thiago Moises then against Alexander Hernandez this is a pretty simple fight I think Tiago Mises was just very smart, you know, picking his shots throughout the whole fight. Hernandez just really had no answer for it. Mises didn't get drawn into his game. Hernandez trying to fight, you know, like a big TJ Dillashaw with this bent over, thrown high kick style that is just not going to work when you don't have the physical capabilities of someone like a high level athlete like a Dillashaw or like, uh, you know, whoever else it might be who, who fights like that. So a good win for, uh, for Mises. Um, we'll run through the main card pretty quickly as well and I didn't get to the main event because that's the one really worth talking to about uh, Alex Caceres, Kevin Kroom I thought this was a bad fight a low quality fight Kevin Kroom a really tough guy been around the scene for a long time obviously Alex Caceres been around for a long time so just a little bit more classy Kroom was kind of just falling into takedowns and Caceres was kind of he's usually almost finding a way to lose fights but not quite in this one uh, nearly had a triangle choke in round two uh, he got and let go of the triangle choke yeah. kind of early, like he could have, you know, readjusted. I thought and kind of sunk him in more, and maybe got the tap, but he just let go of it, which is uh, 
strange to see. We, we very rarely see that people cling on to triangles until the bitter end usually mm-hmm. uh, and end up maybe losing position. But uh, yeah, I'd have to see it back again. But it looked like he let go over a bit early, which was yeah. strange. I think he said... And uh, he he's talked about it in the interview afterwards. I think maybe he said it wasn't on, and he kind of just let it go, not to um, you know wear his legs out or whatever. Which I suppose is is a smart way to do it if you know it's not going to be uh, finished. So yeah, and he almost got to finish it in the third round as well, but not quite. So he's looking for he's four in a row now, Alex Caceres, after he lost me fifty quid by not beating Crow and Gracie, looking for a, a ranked opponent. I, t- I tweeted Edson Barboza. Edson Barboza's manager replied, and he was like, oh, I like that. So maybe that's why it's, it's a huge step up from Kroom, you know. Kroom, yeah. after about three minutes or four minutes of the round, was uh, was out of gas. And, yeah. like, you know, just kind of desperately searching for takedowns with not much technique. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's a big step up uh, for Edson Barboza. But, uh, yeah, I don't see that fight going well for, for Bruce Leroy. Just interesting as well, and we'll, we'll talk a bit, little bit more about James Gallagher later on. But Kevin Kroom is in James Gallagher's gym now over in uh, with James Krause. Be good. I know he. Okay, he's not the best fighter in the world, but he's a, he'd be a good spar. I reckon for James, you know, pulling him down, tearing him, dragging him, just making it tough. I think uh, you know if you're an Irish MMA fan, a James Gallagher fan, someone like Kroom. Okay, as I said, not the you know, he's not exactly fucking Cyril Gagne with all his t- tactics and technique and stuff, but he's a tough motherfucker and uh, someone like that. I imagine would be very very healthy for uh, a sparring partner who want you know is probably going to face a bit of that over the next while. So uh, yeah. Um, Pedro Munoz then and Jimmy Rivera, the undoubted fight of the night. Absolutely fantastic fight in the rematch here. Uh, Munoz and Rivera both landing hard in the first round. Leg kicks for Munoz, won it. And Rivera's in bad trouble. And that was really the story of the fight from the end on. The second round, more leg kicks. Munoz definitely up 2.0, but Rivera's still throwing heat. Just not enough in the second round. In the third round, again, more leg kicks. And the late flurry from Rivera made it a closer round. I think one judge, let me just look here. Yeah, one judge gave him the third round, uh, which was absolutely fair enough because he came back well. But really fun fight. There was serious letter exchange here from almost second one. Uh, and, uh, you know, these two lads, we talk about them a lot as the bantamweights. Uh, with, with maybe Asensau as well being ranked from maybe what 5 to, to 13 or something like that and making it tough for everyone coming up and two of them kind of go against each other here and it was a really fun fight did, did you enjoy this one I assume you did yeah I think it was definitely the, the best fight of the night you know uh, obviously I, I actually had a 30-27 but that doesn't really tell the story about how close the some of the rounds were and it was a uh, you know when you get these light technical fast guys uh, you know uh, like Munoz and, and Rivera you're kind of guaranteed uh, an exciting fight and uh, <laughs> without this fight on the card uh, uh, this, this fight kind of like you know yeah, without this fight on the card it would have been it would have been basically uh, mm-hmm. yeah would have been basically you don't even you don't even bother watching it back if you <laughs> if you missed it but uh, that fight is definitely worth watching back as a high level you know fast paced and uh technical battle that was that was close even though obviously when you see 30-27 sometimes you think that you, you might think that Munoz dominated but it, that definitely wasn't the case as you mentioned there was a couple of couple of close rounds there although I did I did see a 30-27 for Munoz and it was a, it's a good victory for him you know uh, I thought he was a bit unlucky against Frank Yeager to, to not get the decision and this is a uh, you know this fight got postponed from a couple of weeks ago so uh, it was a uh, it was a good win by by Pedro Munoz over a tough guy in Jimmy Rivera yeah and they're 
obviously, um, if I'm not mistaken, Rivera won the first fight, so they're talking about the trilogy now. So I, I would mind seeing that. I think it makes a lot of sense. You know, that division is kind of healthy enough right at the top for them to make uh, this fight again, you know, so I, I would like to see it again. I think, you know, I think it was Sean Al-Shadi tweeted, just to make this every six months, and I'm like, I'd, I'd be okay with that. This would be a good uh, fight on any, to open up any card or to, you know, on any prelim uh, card, so I have no problem uh, seeing that again, so let's uh, let's do it. Um, the next fight in, Maria Silva versus Montana Del Rosa. The story of this fight was the point being taken, really. It was, look, it was an interesting one because... It was a 9-9 round because Silva got a point taken, but she also got the point taken because she stopped the Montana De La Rosa uh, takedown. And in the second round, Rosa won because she was on top um, in the third round. Then. This this was, was a great third round. we get back to the point taken in a second, but it was a great third round for judging because De La Rosa just punched, pushed her against the cage for the whole round, got a late takedown for about four seconds. And Silva was just kneeing her and punching her and, you know, just making it really tough from her from the uh, the clinch. So, if, watch that round. You know, if you maybe haven't read the judging criteria until today or the last couple of weeks and are trying to learn more about it, go and watch that round. It's a perfect round. Silva clearly won it. If anyone, you know, if anyone who thinks or any journalists out there are talking about this and they say, oh, no, uh, you know, it was a close third round or... De La Rosa won it. You know they're talking shit. You know, you know they haven't probably read the criteria, so it's a very interesting one. But on the point taken, look, it on, on in retrospect, the the point being taken because you took away that takedown, you know, fair enough. In in the rules is there at the moment, and that's the way we should talk about them, uh, because that's the way I always preach with uh <laughs> with the the judging criteria as well. But having read the judging criteria, I think it makes a lot of sense. All of it. This I hate this rule so much. It's too like it's too much of a punishment for a small indiscretion. Like the, what did the indiscretion do? What did the the fence crab do? It stopped De La Rosa from getting the takedown. Well, why not just give De La Rosa the takedown? You know, or else give her. Let's say if it's uh, Junior DeSantis going for the takedown, and you go to Junior here, Junior, do you want the f- takedown or do you want the fight back in the middle of the cage? Because maybe you know, Ken Velasquez. Well, the problem with that, I suppose, yeah. is that if if the ref misses some kind of illegal contact or cage grab or short grab or, or something like that, then you get away with it, and you might as well try it because there's no point deduction if the worst comes to worst is you'll end up in the position. Yeah, but it, that you were in, that you, you would have been in anyway. You can still have the point deduction, like you know, you can still have the point deduction if it's egregious enough, if it's bad enough. You also have uh, instant replay now. They have it in all these different places. So if someone's watching it, I, I talked to the guy from Kansas. They, they, you know, they want to have the the commissioner from Kansas. They want to have someone outside and someone really quickly relaying the information back. Why can't you do that? You know, I, I like I. And even then, I like these. In, these aren't big enough things to take a point from. Like there's, a, we talk about it a novel, you know, the the ten nine must system. It's really like one or two points that are changing things. You know, it's it's you're you're winning by one in the first round, one in the second round, one in the third round. And to take away one of those in a three round fight for fifteen minutes, you're fighting for those three points basically to swing it around. And someone's taken one away because of a fucking fin scrap. Like, it makes no sense. Just give the position. Or, you know, give a different position. Give the, the person who is the victim of it the choice of position. Whether it's, you know, in the guard. Or whether it's if they're taken down in and they're going to land inside control. Give them side control. I remember Goddard did it once before. And I don't know if he just, like, went by his own rules. Or if there is a rule there and people just don't use it or whatever. But, like... Why not do that? It's it annoys me so much. I really think that's a rule that needs to be changed. And you know, I was talking about it for all indiscretions. So maybe it's not going to work for all indiscretions. But I think for point for um 
for uh, takedowns that are stopped by grabbing the fence or any fence grab really like even if you're not stopping a takedown even if you're just like against the gauge or whatever um, and someone grabs the fence or they put their you know their hands in the fence when they're on the ground well you know punish them for that this with this with the rule if you were to give them the position it's punishing every indiscretion every single one whereas this how often is a point taken for a fence grab we saw in the, in the very next fight after dan Kalaya fight there was a fence grab and it was no point taken you know so you could have given the penalization that i'm talking about for that and i would love that rule to be changed but however it's it's pie in the sky now at this stage but it's just so frustrating to me when the whole result is changed by that when there's a simple solution to it but i don't know anyway um yeah so look a, a draw On the website, i'm looking here it had one judge had eric collin had the 10-8 third round third round yeah which is <laughs> do you know what i like that score because um uh silva clearly won that round like did delarosa do do enough to earn her nine in that round you know did she just took shots throughout the whole round she just pushed her against the cage late takedown did nothing with it i i do not mind the 10 in that round i think there was enough for enough to to get her nine there just about but yeah it's not like egregious or anything but i I was surprised that uh to see the 10-8 there yeah, I was, I was a little surprised as well, but it was, you know, it was a strong 10-9. It was more of a, you know, a, a 9.5 than it was an 8.5, you know, or, or more of an 8.5 than it was a 9.5, I mean, you know, so I have no problem with that at all. But yeah, I think the 10-9 was probably, you know, would, would have what I would have given, but however. Um, the comment event then, uh, Nikita Krylov won the first round and Ankelaev won the second and third. Uh, Krylov got a takedown and shoved him against the fence after that fence grab. Uh, was close on the feet. Ankelaev looked more powerful, but in the first round, Krylov was definitely landing more impactful strikes and landed more of them. Uh, Ankelaev found his range on the second and was piecing him up. Uh, Ankelaev with the takedown uh, with two minutes left. Got some kind of weird on their knee position and nothing really happened, but Ankelaev definitely won that. Uh, and in the third, uh, Ankelaev was winning on the feet. Earlier takedown. Uh, and you know not the most exciting one so a good win frank Eliev. he's ranked i think someone said he's ranked number 11 and it's hard to, to think that there's uh 10 or 11 better uh light heavyweights in the world than him so i think he'll be rising up through that division pretty quickly there so one to, to look out for um and in the main event uh Sirgan versus jarzino rosenstruck what, what are your thoughts on the first graham like uh, some people are saying this was boring some people are saying they should have been throwing more power both guys and then other people Myself probably included. Think this was a really smart display from someone in their eight MMA fighters heavier. What, what side of it did you fall on? Did you were you? Yeah. The- well, I think I, I think it was a smart. You know, he he did he did what he needed to do. He dominated everywhere. He mixed it up with kicks, punches, body, leg, head. Uh, he did everything he had to do. I think maybe people with Rosenstruck might be disappointed with kind of him not taking a chance at any stage really you know what i mean there was one kind of flurry where he kind of had a chance and kind of half went for it but besides that it's just it seemed like he was content just to to not get finished and to just lose a decision which maybe you know obviously uh it's easier to say like you know commit when you're in there against somebody who's who's dominating you everywhere you, you don't want to get knocked out but if, if you want to you know, you're a big hitter. You've kind of done it before against Overeem. We've seen, we've seen you, we've seen you make it happen before, kind of uh, by going for it, and he just didn't. So maybe that's why people were disappointed. But I, I, I was a little bit disappointed that we didn't get to see more, uh, more of a test uh, for Ghana 
Ghani. I, I, I always say his name wrong, but uh, uh, Cyril. <laughs> but uh, besides that, from his point of view, from Cyril's point of view, it was, uh, you know, it was an easy kind of sparring session for him and uh, he completely dominated and you can't really take too much away from him. I wouldn't be disappointed with him. He yeah. played it smart. I tend to agree. Like, okay, I think it was David Martin to me that is like, we can say it was both a very good technical display and not the, the most exciting fight in the world, which absolutely wasn't the most exciting fight in the world. But I think you hit it right there on, on Gan. There was, there's kind of two points at all. Okay, I, I agree. You should. He, it's a pity he wasn't pushed more because... The, there's two questions with Seal Gan, the way he fights, right? Um, can he keep the gas going until the, the round five? And then can he not get knocked out, <laughs> you know, if that gas goes? Um, the way he fights, because he fights on the outside, you know, this loose, languid style. I always talked about it with uh, with Jack Romanson as well. I was even talking to someone about it even last night. You know, at middleweight, he, he fights like a flyweight. I was always saying about it. And uh, can he keep... It's very hard for even him at middleweight to keep that style up. You know, and Gondorby, as I was calling him last night, you know, go, moving around on the outside, throwing these big high kicks... It, and, you know, being light on your feet, that at 247 pounds, I think he's weighing very difficult. But, uh, you know, Rosenstruck didn't make it difficult for him, to be honest. Or, he, you know, he made it easy on himself as well. Just a brilliant technical display, a beautiful jab, beautiful teep right up through the middle. Just landing everything on the outside. Like, if you look at the first round, um, Charzino tried to land late in that round, but just wasn't doing anything. And then it kind of ended in a takedown for Gan. So I think that... Kind of, you know, we always talk about it, Graham, and you, you always mention that just trying to take down, you know, because it can take the other person out of their game, maybe, or make them think a little bit more. And that's exactly what Ganya did at the end of that first round. And I think maybe people will overlook that. And it wasn't, you know, if you're looking at it from a judging point of view or whatever, not a, not a big take down, not a meaningful thing. But in the fight itself, I think it was actually a pretty meaningful uh, because it just changed Jarzinho and made him, like, Jarzinho's whole game was to get the chance and take it. And it made him think a little bit more about taking that chance of brilliant stuff lighting the feet again in the second from the outside picking him off same in the third basically uh, in the fourth i think Ganyo upped it a little bit um and in some lovely teeps again knee there was a low knee almost i think it was to the body though and a nice knee just almost landed on the chin as well from Ganyo at one stage and it was the same in the fifth just kind of jabbing from the outside and you know to, to me looking at this right and someone who watched back some Ganya fights before this and uh did the rewatch of Ganya. It's very hard to get much of a read on him because there isn't that much of him. He has seven full rounds in MMA. Seven before this. Now he has what seven plus five, twelve is <laughs> twelve full rounds. That's not a lot for a guy fighting you know, they're talking about him fighting Derek Lewis next. Derek Lewis I think is ranked like number two in the world. And this guy has only twelve rounds. He's only eight fights in uh, in MMA and we're giving out about him boxing some Jarzino Rosenstruck up who knocked out Alistair over him, you know, for, for five rounds. I think we you know be a little bit harsh and you know? I think it was a fantastic display and the display you know, I talked about Aspinall last week and Aspinall has more fights I think than Ganya, you know, similarly enough um Ex- a similar enough experience to Ganya. Uh, you know, he's on about fighting JDS in his next fight, Gan fought JDS in his last fight, you know, so maybe six months ahead of him or whatever. Um and 
and you know and taking it slow with Aspinall and moving him up and getting that experience I think Gagne is the same even though and you know it, you make a rod for your own back at heavyweight by giving him JDS by giving him Rosenstruck there's only one way to go now and it's up to fucking Fran I know he trains with Francis but Francis Stipe Lewis Blade start a level and that at, with eight fights in that is a lot to be moving a guy up like uh, like a gang or like an Aspinall. But look, the, the heavyweight division, there seems to be uh, some good movement up there. I'm not 100% on board with the, the matchmaking and the way they're moving them so quickly. Um, but, you know, it, there, there's a lot of heavyweights that you can maybe get him wins with uh, and and make them exciting and move them like, like a, a Francis did. But uh, look, Gagne he's a different sort of heavyweight you know a very different sort of heavyweight especially compared to like the the exciting guys we've seen recently like if you look at francis what's he a big hard hitter huge fucking athlete that will just knock you out uh Derek lewis who's come on the last few years this guy who's just kind of a freak strint and will stand up and get on top of you and ground upon you from the mount or knock you out with one big shot you know did these are the type of fighters we've had recently coming up through uh, in the uh, in the heavyweight division, and Gagne is different. You know, Gagne is. You remember when Dominic Cruz came on and he was fighting the way he fought, you know, with this technical style, and Wonderboy came on and he fought with his outside style, kicking hard, hands down low, just changing the game. I think a little bit. To me, Gagne is changing the game in heavyweight. And, you know, changing the game for himself, maybe, because I don't think most people can actually do what he does. But the way he does it is exceptional, and I hope he can keep doing it. And I hope he has, like, the cardio and the durability at heavyweight to go five rounds against guys like this and do it like this. Because I love technical styles like this on the outside, and very, very impressed with Gagne. But, uh, you know, overall, a good fight, and... I, I look not the best fight in the world but a good fight and a good technical fight and I, I enjoyed it a lot but uh yeah not the who would you actually match Gagne with next he, you know if you look at that heavyweight division you have Derek as I said number two Blades number three then you have Rosenstruck at number four so Volkov over him and then Gagne you know maybe would you give him a Lewis would you give him a Volkov what do you think Graham well, I think logically it does it does make sense to take the step up, but uh, in terms of like competition after beating Rosenstruck, but as we said before the podcast, you know, it's uh, if he wins here against Rosenstruck, what, where does he go next? Uh, is is it going to be too much too soon? And you know, set him back, but uh, you know, Overeem is a big name. You know, I know he's not really you know he's not on a winning streak or anything like that, but Overeem's a big name and a, a person who could test him. So I'd like to see him kind of not take the step up yet just yet anyway maybe like we see how he looks against over him and uh, take it from there yeah yeah it would be a good fighter the Volkov fight as well I think it'd be good and Lewis but yeah it's it's gonna be tough for the guys ranked above him to actually take that fight because he's so good and it's a very losable fight I suppose so yeah it's interesting times ahead and interesting to see where uh, Cyril Gagne goes from here so uh, yeah that was last night's card anyway not the greatest in the world but next week we have uh, one of the greatest cards in the world it's an absolutely fantastic card uh, UFC 259 before we get to that we are starting a severe MMA fantasy league for everyone. So we have one over on Patreon. I know a lot of the people are signed up on Patreon. But this is a different one. That one on Patreon and keep going. But we're starting up one on the Fight Picks app. So go to your uh, Google Play Store. Go to your iOS Store. Search Fight Picks. 
it is the the blue banner you'll see it or go to fightpicks.com uh, and download the app sign up you know do all your registration all it's free to, to sign up there's a paid version as well so if you want to support them it's a really good new app uh, and you'll see that have a look at it for a couple of days with the, the free version and then if you want to sign up for the paid version to get additional stuff do that as well but we have the severe mail league so search for severe MMA in leagues, go to join leagues, search severe MMA. We already, I put it up on some of the lads on Patreon. There's already 17 or 18 people on it. This app, like, it's actually really good. It's like the, the Premier League you fantasy you, app. And, you, and you, you don't need the paid version to join the league. It's yeah. just kind of added extras like stats and stuff like that. So with, with the free version, you can you can compete in the league. Uh, and yeah. view most of the most of the stats and things like that. Yeah, hundred percent. And it's we're going to do the league for the first for the next three months anyway. And it's starting next weekend at UFC two five nine. So, um, you have the the week now to do it. But if you're listening to this and you're having on your phone, go and fightpicks.com, click the link, go to the app store, get the app, uh, and join the league. So next week I have my I'm putting in my five picks at the moment. It gives you really good um stats and stuff as well like the last couple of uh wins for the fighters how they've won their fights and stuff like that so you know you have to pick so next week's going to be adesanya if you want to pick adesanya ko round three and ashan then you'll get mad at me but like it'll show you how many ko's he has it'll show you how many submissions he has it'll show you how many wins he has and who his last few wins are and all that so it's absolutely brilliant uh and fight picks have been really good as well it's it's mma fans up from the ground up so it's a really good thing you can start your own league as well compete head-to-head against other fans uh, and as I said, it's available on iOS and Android. So uh, download that, sign up, and uh, join the league, the Severe MMA Podcast League. You'll see me and I'm Sean Sheehan, BA Graham. You're at Severe MMA on it as well, aren't you? So add us as friends as well, and we can have a head-to-head league as well if you want to do that or anything like that. So yeah, go over there and sign up. So we're starting this weekend, and it will be going for the next uh, the next three months. So I'm looking forward to uh, beating all the lads and winning that league and <laughs> you know, getting, getting to the top of that league. So it should be fun. Um, right. So this card itself... <sighs> You know, we'll, we'll have the betting show as well here on, on Friday, and I'm going to find this betting show very hard to do, I think, because there's these matchups. Okay, maybe not the Nunes Anderson one, but the other ones are really fucking hard to pick. Watched a lot of fights this week uh, leading up to this to try to get maybe a better grasp of it or a better hold of it. But there's, you know, there's some fantastic matchups on throughout this card, and uh, the three main uh, fights as well are absolutely brilliant. Let's go from top to bottom, and let's, you know, let's not bury the lead. Jan Blahovic versus Isdel Adesanya. I a lot of people are talking about Adesanya being too small. You know, he's came in at hundred and um, hundred eighty three pounds for middleweight. Okay, he's as tall as Blahovic. I was actually looking on the app, and you know, the same height and uh, similar reach, a little bit of a bigger reach even. So that's you know, he's not advan- disadvantaged in height wise, but in if he pushes if uh, pushes him against the cage, if if he makes it a battle like that. Uh, and Adesanya putting on that additional weight as well could it could it you know make the difference in that fight? What what do you think of that one? The the Blahovic Adesanya fight, Graham? Like, a, is it a case of Adesanya will just be too skilled for him, or will Blahovic's yeah. size make the difference? Uh, I think early on uh, he might Jan might be able to use his, his strength and size a bit, but I think Adesanya's speed and technical and striking and skill level is just going to be too much for uh Blahovic. but you know it's a, it's, it's it's a bit of um you know it's it's a bit of uncomfortableness for for Adesanya you know he's not really felt this kind of you know um 
strength you know maybe in the gym he has but it's different when the guys aren't hitting you full force like like john will be if he can kind of push him up against the cage and kind of wear him down that way there's definitely there's definitely uh roots to victory here but i i do think uh izzy will just have too much speed and too much elusiveness uh and you know, he he might win. He might win a technical decision, or he might be able to kind of ride out the a couple of tough enough couple of rounds and uh, finish him in the the middle or late rounds. But um, it's definitely some questions here that uh, that are interesting and to see answered. Yeah. So, like my my analysis of this fight, when I went back and watched their fight, like b- before I went back and watched, I uh, my breakdown, I suppose, of this fight, or t- well, not my breakdown, but my thinking of this fight was. Adesanya probably being loose and elusive on the outside, you know, jabbing, circling around. But watching his old fights, you know, okay, and he's elusive because he ch- changes from orthodox to southpaw a lot, fought a lot in southpaw versus Brad Tavares. But he's not allowed to circle on the outside that much or, you know, use really good foot movement uh, on the outside. Now, he's good footwork and stuff and he moves. He, do you know what? He defends with his hips. He moves from the hips and he moves his head uh, You by, by using his hips. We saw it in that uh, Robert Whitaker fight where he comes in, moves the hips, avoids the shot and then lands the counter. Uh, he's more of an in-pocket counter striker, I would say, just like that. Um, he, he is very, very quick and very good defensively from there, but he does get hit. And against Blahovic, it only takes one. Like, Jan is very technically good defensively as well. You know, with the hand side and the tin, chin tucked, tin chucked even. Um, he looks for the power shot. He used, he used to be more willing to, uh, to jab and counter off the back foot. And he got hit more because of it. But now he's just like a juggernaut combination striker when he gets into that. But he does picky shots really good. He look, he's not the most, fa- he's not the fastest or most dynamic fighter in the world. But he's really good at picking his moments. And that's exactly what you need against someone like an Adesanya to pick those moments at the right time. Like I think Adesanya in this fight will be trying to use his speed a lot more than maybe in in previous fights. So we could see him circling a lot more or doing like you know the. Muhammad Ali footwork trying to confuse Blahovic a bit. Um, but it could also be one of these fights where, like uh, Adesanya versus Romero, where there's two lads on the outside kind of looking at each other for long periods of this fight because Blahovic, the way he's fought recently. Now, both guys will attack at times and will throw their jabs inside and, you know, will do it. But they both like to counter off of the other people's movements. Um, and that could lead to some stalemates at some times. But I think Adesanya will... I think he'll be a little bit more confident in this. Because he probably... He definitely knows he can be faster than Blahovic. And Blahovic knows Adesanya is faster than him as well. Whereas Adesanya against Romero, maybe he didn't know he was faster than him. And Romero had that fast switch muscle. Whereas Blahovic fights a little bit like Adesanya... Or like um, Romero, sorry, in terms of trying to land that one big shot. But will throw more shots. Not as quick and not as explosive but Ken Landon is very accurate and, you know, has fought against high-level um, kickboxers before and has really good kickboxers. Sean Dini will tell you about him over in the gym and over in Poland as well. So I think, um, you know, I think Blahovic will be well able for him in terms of of that, but will he be well able for him for five rounds? Will he keep going for five rounds? I, I you know, I, I, I submitted my pick and I, I, I don't know. I, like, I probably am picking Adesanya and I think maybe you know decision or late but 
I don't know, we, you know, you always talk about Graham by criminally underrating Blahovic, and people do criminally underrate him because they're very, yeah, very good fighters. Every time I pick against him, every fucking time. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like, I feel like if you just pick, just pick him, <laughs> then, uh, you can't go wrong either way, but I'm really looking yeah, forward to I'll this. Put, put the cool on him. Yeah. <laughs> the one time I pick him, they get destroyed. <laughs> yeah, he probably will, but yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. Um, so, Amanda Nunes versus Megan Anderson then. Look probably a little bit more straightforward. Went back and watched a few Anderson fights, you know, and I was actually kind of pleasantly uh, surprised a little bit. Watched the Holly Holm fight, you know, she is a good straight puncher, big and strong, and you strong, know, yeah. hits hits relatively hard. I think that will be the thing for Amanda Nunes to deal with here. She is a relatively good athlete for her size, you know, can cover the distance pretty quickly. Maybe not the most technical on the ground, or in you know, and, and she has a she has a relatively good clinch. But Holly Holm was able to to move her around a bit in that clinch as well in that fight I watched. But um, you know, do you think there'll be any struggle here for Amanda Nunes? Do you think she will struggle with the size or anything, or do you think it'll be another cakewalk? Um, no, I think yeah, I think it'll be probably you know whatever whatever she wants to do, she'll be able to do it there. Maybe there'll be a couple of minutes in the in the first round where Anderson comes out kind of quick and tough and tries to tries to disrupt her a bit. But uh, I just think she, as strong as Anderson is, uh, Nunez is very strong as well and more technical. I think uh, in all aspects of uh, MMA and you know should should have her way here, uh, barring a, a first maybe couple of minutes around that might be uh might be a bit difficult in terms of uh if if megan anderson can put it in uh, places where she can use her strength and kind of hard nosedness but again somebody like nunez who's also kind of you know uh shown that in the past that she's she has those qualities herself it's 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 hard to see how anderson can can win here yeah i tend to agree look look she as we saw in her last fight um nunez not that she can give you got to early but then you know with if you have a few different looks if you surprise her maybe with something um it'll take her time to adjust like anyone you know but i think nunez she will adjust here i think she will try to strike early with anderson you know i think anderson will do well in terms of standing up to it a little bit i don't think it's going to be like a ronda rossi 50 second knockout type of thing um and i don't think she'll be you know mad enough to and <laughs> mad enough in the best possible way like cyborg to get into a firefight with amanda nunes so i can see nunes hurting her picking her off from the outside uh and then maybe going for a takedown like i think this I think this is Amanda Nunes' submission kind of written all over. Now, Megan Anderson is big, and I'm sure that's harder as well on the ground when you get in someone like that. But, um, yeah, I really think Nunes can kind of take this wherever she wants. To me, if Megan Anderson won this, it would be the biggest shock in the history of MMA. I I think it would be. I, I, it's just a person against someone who is significantly better in every single realm of the sport, except for maybe physical size, <laughs> you know, so... Um, yeah, I, I I think my man Nunes will probably win this. I also said over on the Patreon, if uh, Megan Anderson wins this, I'll change my uh, Twitter uh, avatar to a Liverpool crest for a week. So uh, there'll be a lot of people probably hoping that Megan Anderson will win this, but sure, we'll see anyway. Um, then we have Peter Yan versus uh, Aljamain Sterling, and another fight that's really fucking hard to to predict. Um, so Yan, like watching some of his fights. He's just 
you know, a little bit like Blahovich in terms of the high hands, good jab, good technical fighter, but more attacking, um, more of a, a juggernaut go forward fighter Blahovich is a juggernaut when, at times when he gets into combinations but Jan fast hands good jab strong jab hard puncher um, good takedown defense but John Dodson took him down a few times wasn't able to hold him down there but I think that Dodson fight was an interesting one obviously this Southpaw like uh, like Sterling although Sterling changes and so does Jan as well at times but fast and I think Sterling is a very fast elusive um, varied fighter and uh, wind striking um, it kicks the leg a lot kicks high comes in as we saw with Sandhag and with these nice takedowns and little trips and things and is obviously very good on the ground his jiu-jitsu was excellent it's an interesting one like I have submitted a few picks in a few different places and I have gone with Yan but after watching a few fights back yesterday do you know what I think, I think, maybe I'm picking Aljamain Sterling. May, I'm, I don't know, maybe not. But like, if you look, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Sterling. I thought, I thought, I, yeah. I, I thought I was, I thought you were gonna pick Yan, and I was gonna, I was gonna pick Sterling. But the only, the only caveat with Sterling is I've said it for years. Like when he's on, he's fucking yeah. a big, he's big trouble for anybody in the division. But sometimes he's not on, and if that happens, I say Peter Yan will, you know, will have his way with him, but. I have a feeling Sterling's going to do it. He looked so so complete and so so uh, he made it look so easy against Sandhagen. He just he just you know he looked like he's finally kind of clicked. But we've seen kind of signs of that before, and he's he's kind of put in like an inconsistent run after that. But you know. Peter Yan, you know, he, as you said, his takedown defense isn't actually the best. Uh, uh, it's it's not bad or anything. It's not a huge flaw in his game, but you know, he's that's, fighting someone that's a, big, a really good yeah, wrestler here, isn't he? That's yeah. a big, uh, that's a big um, opportunity for for Sterling to get his game going, and you know, yeah, he could play it safe there and try to wear out Yan. But we've also seen him go for quick submissions and be successful. So he has a lot of both guys have a lot of routes to victory here. Like uh, could go. Could go either way, but uh, yeah, I have a feeling Sterling's going to get it done as well. Yeah, and uh, like Dominic Cruz was, was talking about this, and he was talking about the Megamed Megamedov, the first fight where he got taken down, and in the second fight he, he kind of adjusted to it, and maybe he can make those adjustments against Sterling as well. But that John Dodson fight came after it, and okay, like it wasn't a case of him being taken down and laid on top of, but he was taken down, and someone better could have maybe you know stayed on top of him. Like in, yeah. maybe he was surprised by the Dodson going for takedowns. We haven't seen yeah. Dodson really go for takedowns. Maybe he didn't play that into his camp. I'm sure this yeah. is going to be, you know, this is going to be a big thing in Absolutely. in the in this camp. It has yeah. been, but you know, there's only like Sterling has been doing this a long a lot longer than you know a few camps. And uh, when he's on, he's he's you know he's he's trouble. Um, yeah. So yeah, uh, like definitely not ruling Jan out here at all. But I just have a feeling Sterling it's going to be a very very good fight and I think Sterling might get it done yeah not to go full Andrew McGahan here either but like it's, could there be a jiu-jitsu differential here like look and I'm over in the fight exam which is really good and eight submissions um, uh, Sterling has in his career eight submission wins Jan has won so it's could there be a bit of a gap there like if the wrestling is good enough from Sterling if he gets him down if he takes him down look what he did to um, to Sandhagen as you mentioned earlier on absolutely destroyed him when he got the fight to the ground so it might only need one yeah. takedown from Al how much have we how much have we seen of Jan on his back like you know um, not really that much and you you know Sterling like 
he's not really one to play it safe. You know, he's yeah, kind of one to, it, to yeah. make trying to make it happen. And um, you know, maybe that will play against him. Maybe, maybe you know, maybe he'll change it up and come in with a game plan of of grinding it out here in the early rounds and take kind of taking the pop off the the punches and the strikes of Jan. And there's, like, there's a few game plans here that I could see being uh, successful for uh, for Sterling. And you know, the more I think about it, the more this is this is a very tough matchup for Jan as long as long as Sterling's on form and. Obviously, that's a big caveat. Yeah, and I think if Jan does win this fight, he's one of the pound-for-pound pound best in the world. Because Sterling on the feet as well, we haven't even mentioned it. It's so varied, yeah. it's hard, it's mm-hmm. big high kicks and good, good leg kicks and, you know, good jabbing. But look, Jan on the feet, look, it, I think for Jan to win this, he's going to have to, first of all, stop the takedown. Second of all, um, cut off the cage. And third of all, push Sterling back and land that jab and land those combinations and make him feel his power. That is a very tough thing to do against someone like Sterling. Very tough. So if he does it, and you know, I'm not saying he can't do it, and I think it will be a close fight uh, if it if it is on the feet, because Jan is a master of cutting off the cage. He's really, really good footwork, and it, this is one of the top fights. It was funny. I went back. I was I was on Fight Pass watching a few fights yesterday. And I watched uh, Dillashaw versus Garbrandt, and I remember at the time thinking this is one of the best fights we can get in the UFC. This. You know, two really good technical guys, and okay, things have changed maybe a little bit for both of them since, but this is again at Bantamweight Division. <laughs> this is a, a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant fight, and uh, I can't wait to see it. You know, it's it, this fight to be the third fight down on the card is, is a bit crazy, and it tells you how good this card is. So it's uh, it's a really, really brilliant one. So um, we'll, we'll see how that goes, but I can't wait for it. Um, after that, then, we have Islam Makachev versus uh, Drew Dober. Uh, Dober's last few fights, he's beaten Alexander Hernandez, we saw last night, beaten Nazrat Hakbaras, Apollo Reyes as well, whereas Makachev, you know, everyone's talking about him being the next Habib, the next big one, 18 and 1, 29 years of age, beat Davi Ramos in his last fight, Saryukin as well, and Cajun Johnson, you know, has a lot of submission wins, uh, as does Drew Dober, so if it hits the ground, it could be a fun one as well, but, you know, I'm really looking forward to, uh, to that fight. What yeah, I've never been I've never been the biggest fan of Drew Dober. Like he's he's well rounded, but he's doesn't really stand out anywhere. Um, I think this is a nice matchup. You know, I'd be surprised if it wasn't dominant from Makachev. It's uh, it's a bit of a layup. Do you think so? I think Drew Dober's improved a bit. I think Makachev will yeah. win as well. But yeah, I, I don't know. I wouldn't call it a layup. I think it's good matchmaking to be honest. But uh, I'm looking forward to seeing Makachev back. But um, there's a big fight at light heavyweight division in Thiago Santos versus Alexander uh, Rakic. Obviously, Thiago Santos coming off of the loss to Glover Teixeira after the very close fight with John Jones, and he had a win against the champion at the moment, Jan Blahovic Before that, so if he can get a win here, it'd be uh, it'd be huge for him. Obviously, both these guys loads of KOs, 15 knockouts in Thiago Santos's record, one submission. Nine knockouts and rackage, and one submission as well. So someone, someone's probably getting knocked out here. Although I said that about the main event last night, and, and it didn't happen. Um, but yeah. yeah, I see Santos is a big underdog. I know, like you know, he, he didn't look the, the best in uh, the Texera fight, but he was coming off a big injury and uh, two bad knees. You know, yeah, yeah rackage is coming off. You know, a win over Anthony Smith, which you know isn't isn't too impressive. Uh, he did the job, but it was a decision. And before that, he lost to uh, Uzumir in a close fight as well but you know uh, if Santos hadn't come in and kind of you know got dominated by Glover Texera coming off that fight before that that Jones split decision and you know beating Jan and Jimmy Manoa before that you know I'm surprised to see those odds like I'd be I'd be picking Santos in this yeah yeah yeah, 
Nah, I probably would as well. It's it's funny sometimes because are we taking a leap of faith to think he'd be back his best and back better? And we probably are, but with reason, as you said there. But I also think f- even, yeah, even, you know, even if he was coming back off injury uh, against somebody a little easier than Glover area, yeah, you know, we talk Glover's about how, how underrated he is everywhere. Uh, it's a really tough matchup to come back after, you know, first serious injury of your career. You've been sidelined for a long time. Um, and he, you know, he had his moments in that fight. He had his chances. Like he's, he's a very dangerous fighter. Glover's just, you know, very experienced veteran, uh, so well rounded. It's just a really tough matchup to come to come back against. And uh, yeah, he didn't look great in that fight, but he's had a bit of time since. You know, uh, as long as he hasn't reaggravated the injury, which he probably hasn't, if he's coming back, you know, quick enough after what three months is it? Three yeah. four months since he last fought. Mm-hmm. So uh, you got to assume you got well. You you'd think that you know uh, he's he's you know, looked at the Glover fight and kind of seen what he did wrong there, and he's he doesn't have to really worry about his knee. So yeah, I think uh, I'd be I'd be picking uh, be picking him to win here. I go I go racket so just for the crack, but yeah, I I think Santos is a good uh, good chance as well to be honest. But um, the undercard is absolutely fucking stacked as well. Dominic Cruz returns against Casey Kenny. Casey Kenny, who I suppose people of this side of the world will remember beating Nathaniel Wood in his uh, in his last fight as a win over Lewis Smolka as well. Uh, Dominic Cruz hasn't fought since he fought Henry Zahuda there what, a couple of years ago at this stage now. Um, and the last to Cody Garbrandt was the one before that, which seems like years and years ago. So, you know, with Dominic Cruz, anyone else you probably saw the ring rust and you know, cage corrosion, as um, my boy um, Mauro Ronaldo used to say. But, you know, I, I normally, you know, prime Cruz against prime Casey Kenny, I would be picking Cruz, you know, 100 times out of 100. But. I don't think Dominic Cruz can be the same. I just don't. Um, I probably still pick him to win. But uh, have you the odds up in front of you, Graham? What are the odds in this fight? Like Casey Kenny? Yeah, it's it's really close. But uh, Cruz is the underdog, just about. Yeah. Mm, like I, I'd be, I'd be going the underdog again there. Yeah. <laughs> I'm picking a lot of underdogs here. But <laughs> yeah, probably yeah, I don't, I don't expect Cruz to go out there and look like you know WEC Cruz or anything like that. But mm-hmm. with his footwork and how awkward he is to adjust to over three rounds, yeah, I think. You know, unless he's completely shot, which, you know, there's always a possibility there. But um, I think Dominic Cruz is a smart guy. If he was completely shot, he probably wouldn't, you yeah, know. he wouldn't be fighting, maybe. Yeah. yeah, you never know, though. These guys, you know, it's in their it's in their DNA, as Dana would say. Yeah, indeed. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, I wouldn't have... Um, uh, I was surprised to see those odds, and I, 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 I wouldn't... Uh, I wouldn't be putting any money on Kenny anyway at that price. Yeah, I don't think I put any money on anyone at that price <laughs> in that fight, but I uh, look forward to seeing it. Uh, Song Yudong, who's, you know, I was good for a few funny tweets, but it's a very good fighter against Kyler Phillips, who's a good up and coming fighter as well, is on this Joseph Benavides versus Askar Askarov. What a fucking fight that is. Okay, Benavides, come on. Uh, if, you, if you made those, those same jokes about Dong, about a female fighter, what would happen? I'd probably get cancelled, but no, <laughs> no, no one can cancel me unless you. Yeah, you're not going to cancel me anyway, so it's grand. I, I could just keep doing this, but I could say what I want. I'm untouchable. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's true. No, yeah, it's it's not really. What about Myanus? Remember Myanus? He was the <laughs> he was the best one. I love Myanus. Myanus bleeding all over Myanus. That was the the best commentary ever from Michael Chiavello. But anyway, um. Right. Oh yeah, this Benavidez. So Benavidez lost twice in a row to um, Davidson Figueiredo. This is a huge fight in Benavidez's career because if he loses this, he is no longer in the picture. You know, he is just slightly below the picture. Still a very good fighter, but he is 
probably a 5-5 win streak away from even being talked about. And this is a tough matchup, you know. Um, Askarov has beaten Pantoja in his last fight and beaten Tim Elliott before that undefeated he drew with Brandon Moreno um, so a big big fight here I'd probably pick Askarov I think he's well rounded um, I think Benavidez at 36 years of age fighting at 125 pounds is going to be um, it's going to be a tough ask to keep that going So, but I'm looking forward yeah. to, to seeing this I think he hasn't been quite as fast as he used to be and yeah. maybe that's you know he did have a um a bad ACL injury there a couple of years ago, two or three years ago, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe that's kind of around the same time that he, you know, his body started to slow down because of his age, and you know, you lose step because of your surgery. And in this division against, you know, um, really technical, fast guys, it's it's he doesn't have the advantage he used to have. He used to be able to kind of, you know, win win three round or five round decisions just by kind of being faster and more kind of technical. But I don't think he has that anymore. I think the divisions evolved past him and I think yeah I think he's gonna Askarov is gonna win here um, you know Benavidez probably make it close uh, make it tough but yeah I think I think yeah his time has, has passed it's unfortunate for him like he never really got to to be at the top but it's just uh, just the way it goes sometimes it's, yeah. it's, it's like you know it's, like, I, I not remember, everybody can be a world champion uh, no indeed I remember one time it was like Ariel did this thing. There was, you know, who's the best fighter in the UFC who's not a champion at the moment? And he put Benavidez. And I was like, yeah, you know, I think a lot of people probably agreed with that. Okay, some people at the time maybe said, I don't know, a Cormier or, a, you know, whoever it might be at the time who wasn't, or a Habib maybe even at the time who wasn't a champion. But a lot of people were saying Benavidez. And the fact that, you know, people like, say, Amisha Tate got the title, someone like a Michael Bisping got the title, uh, and they were probably ranked lower than him in the division in terms of like could he get there you know could he beat Demetrius Johnson Demetrius Johnson gone oh okay he's going to be the champion you know had had beaten Henry Cejudo if I'm not mistaken but wasn't able to get there so I was you know it's it's sad in a way but he's had a very very good career and you know I'm not, not to write him off for anything good absolutely win this fight and I'm really looking forward to seeing it some very good fight fights on this card uh, Rodrigo Bontarin against Kai Cara France who I'm always a big fan of I like Kai and Tim Elliott versus Jordan Espinosa as well uh, headlining the uh, fight pass card here um, also Renata Souza in the women's strawweight division against Amanda Limas um Kennedy Inchunkwu versus Carlos Ulberg, Uros Medich versus Alan Cruz, Mauro Batista versus Trevin Jones, and the fight on this card, which is buried, buried in the middle of the early prelims, is Sean Brady versus Jake Matthews. What a fight this is. 13-0, Sean Brady, 17-4, Jake Matthews. Jake Matthews won his last three fights against Diego Santos, Diego Sanchez, sorry, Emil Weber-Mech, and uh, Rossum Ackman. Brady has beaten Christian Aguilera, Nureyev, and Cora McGee in his last three. Lots of finishes between these guys. Two hard-nosed, you know, guys. There's not an awful lot of fights these days I see announced. And, um, I... And which are not like big title fights or anything like that, which I kind of get excited for. I'm like, oh, that's an interesting fight. But this to me is a very, very interesting fight, especially for, you know, okay, for both of them, but for Sean Brady, if he can win this, if he can beat Jack Matthews, it's a really, really good test. And for Jake, you know, we've talked about Jake for years being a prospect and he needs to kick on. He really needs to. And if he doesn't beat Brady, he won't be kicking on for another while. So this is a huge fight in this welterweight division for the up-and-comers. Okay, maybe neither of these guys, I, I don't, uh, let me look at the ranks, but I don't think either of them are ranked or, or maybe, you know, borderline top 15 probably, both of them if they're not ranked. So 
this is uh this is a huge fight here i think for that division for both of these guys and kind of buried on the undercard this is the one to, to watch out for the last time i told you to watch out for one it was bilal muhammad and he's fighting uh, in a main event in, in a couple of weeks time which i'll obviously talk about next week so i'm um, looking forward to that fight and uh, we look forward to this card it's like this is uh, there's there might be uh, cards as good as this in UFC history, but I'm I'm struggling to think of one better. This is a brilliant, brilliant card, and I absolutely cannot wait for it. So it should be uh, should be very fun, and we'll have the betting show on Friday as well. So sign up on Patreon.com forward slash Severe Podcast for that, and we'll have other stuff during the week as well. Um, one thing, Graham, before we go, there it wasn't officially announced yet, but there's uh oh god mma mma holland or someone i think reported it. like sorry I, I got the name wrong and mma fighting kind of went further with the report uh but bell announced that james Gallagher is fighting patchy mix in his next fight which is a blockbuster fight for bellator the biggest fight in james Gallagher's career obviously from an irish mma point of view and that movement he needed you know i think a lot of people were frustrated and probably james as well with his kind of lack of movement over the last few years and because of you know the the Cal Elner saga, I suppose, where the fight was cancelled, what, two, two or three times, then eventually happened, it was a bit of a damn squib, and he fought Stephen Graham, was it in the middle of it, and he fought your man from over in America as well, in the middle of it, and wasn't able to get those steps, you know, that you'd need for someone like James Gallagher, where maybe he has those two fights, then maybe he has another two fights, and in goes and fights in America against the big fighters like Patchy Mix, but, you know, the steps are gone now. It looks like he's moving on and he's going to fight Mix in, in that fight. What do you think of it, Graham? Do you think it's the, it's the right timing for uh, for James Gallagher to be going over having a, a huge fight in, in Bellator? Well, like, you know, he has been an active book. Everybody's been an active. So, uh, yeah. yeah, I think, you know, maybe to the casual fans, they might be like, who's Patchy Mix? But for everybody who, who follows Bellator, you know that this is an extremely tough test for, for James. Like, this is a bigger test than, you know, the Ricky Bandeo's fight was that he ended up losing. And obviously, he, he took some things from that and learned from that. And actually, there's a very good... Uh, article of uh, the good the bad the ugly by shawana humes yeah. on uh severe mma it's about james Gallagher's game and like you know what what when he is able to get it into his realm and like we all know how good how good Gallagher is like and if you can do that against patchy mix he, he, he'll probably win but you know patchy mix is going to be aware of that and yeah, i don't know this is a really tough fight for for Gallagher. like uh um, he's, if he can win this he's really kind of laid down a marker that kind of people have been waiting for him to lay down yeah, yeah, it's it's you know a brilliant fight. Obviously, Patchy Mix in his last fight um, fought Juan Arculeta for the belt. So you know this is if James Gallagher wins this fight, he could be very much um, you know in line for the title shot in in the in the next in the next year or so. So a huge fight for Gallagher. And, you know, you mentioned Ricky Bandejas there. Patchy Mix has beaten Ricky Bandejas. You know, in the first round, choked him out. You know, he's two fights after that before the title fight. He won them both in the first round as well by uh, uh, by submission. So a huge fight. If this goes to the ground, it could be absolutely electric. And it's a big fight for James Gallagher. You know, he's he tweeted out there yesterday. It was like, people said I didn't have balls. I see you as balls now or something like that. So, you know, all the talk and all that can be put to one side. If this, you know, and it's not 100% officially had I asked Bellator. I reached out to him and got no answer back. But that's not unusual. <laughs> we'll uh, we'll see. I'm giddy about this fight. I think it's really, really good. You know, it's on Topology, I'm looking here. And they have it as the, the, the next upcoming bout. So, it's in May. So, what, we're, we're almost in January, February, March now. It's only two months ish away so really really looking forward to this hopefully it happens hopefully it gets officially announced and you know it's a big time for irish mma coming up soon the cage warriors trilogy is in a few weeks time um you know 
probably was on Justin or on Joe Rogan's podcast the other day talking about the McGregor rematch. It looks like that's going to happen. You know, Dean Barry is going to be um, making his debut in the UFC as well. You know, Reese McKee. Hopefully, he'll be coming back as well. I know there's been a couple of different things with Reese. He was, you know, he was talking about, uh, you know, not taking fights because you know he wants to prepare properly and everything like that. But then, you know there's rumours that he will be taking fights and stuff so we'll, we'll see I'm sure Reese will be back and you know as is everyone else in Belter hopefully they can get an event in Ireland or in somewhere in Europe and get the likes of Will Flory and Danny Nyland and Paul Redmond and you know all the rest fights as well and I believe Norman Park has a fight as well coming up so you know Irish MMA we could be very busy Graham in the <laughs> around the summertime with, with fights uh, mark off all your Sundays we'll have, <laughs> we'll have plenty of stuff to talk about but uh, I'm looking forward to it because it's been um it's not been the best time in the world for for Irish MMA and uh, not been uh, been very frustrating. I'm sure for a lot of the fighters not being able to get uh, get fights. So there you go. Um, well, let's answer two questions here, before, Graham. Before we go, um, one from our friend Mister Podge: uh, Is Ganya more credible threat to the heavyweight division than Inganu? How could he go against John Jones in his heavyweight division? Uh, and he's everywhere debut. It's an it's an interesting question, I think, because like. Well, I think right now, yeah. uh, Nganu is definitely a bigger threat. But you know, Gan- Cyril has all the he has all the potential. I just mm-hmm. I'm just worried he's going to get pushed too quickly and it's going to set him back. Like we we saw it happen to Nganu, you know, and how how bad he looked in the the comeback fight after that. We don't want to see that with Ganu. We don't want to see set, set him back like Nganu's done well to recover from that and come back and look like his old self but sometimes we see fighters that never come back yeah. so uh, there's a lot of questions still to be answered uh, so, and Ganu's answered um, kind of more because he's had more opportunity to answer them uh, but yeah I think I think both guys are definitely um, much needed kind of new fresh blood into the into the division and they're both kind of you know new to the game they're both not that experienced like Ganu's only been you know he's been fighting as long as he's been training nearly so yeah, uh, yeah I think Nganu is definitely um, at the moment the, the bigger threat but that could change in, over the next few fights yeah and John Jones versus Ganya would be a fantastic fight but terrible matchmaking at the same time like why would you make that fight but uh, yeah hopefully down the line we'll be able to see that imagine that in two years time god almighty that'd be brilliant um Another one here. A very interesting question. I saw this from Strike.mx yesterday. If Josie Aldo started throwing non-stop calf kicks, would he be a two-division champion? It's like Josie Aldo kind of stopped kicking legs when everyone else started it. It's a bit of a weird one, isn't it? It's like, yeah, I, I don't know. And like, the reason Josie Aldo stopped it, I suppose, is because yeah. it became too... Well, people learned to check yeah. leg kicks more. Like, when Aldo was in WC, a lot of the times, people's legs were swinging around in the air and spinning around and shit. Like, you know, people weren't really uh, effectively... Uh, countering uh, or checking the leg kicks and he probably felt a few you know a few checks and maybe you know he saw what happened to Anderson Silva as well um, what can happen if you if you throw leg kicks and people check them correctly it, it can be devastating maybe that played into it you know uh, it's hard to know but uh, he definitely got away from it but the, the game evolves all the time and guys were like you know aware of of, of, uh, of what you needed to do against Aldo like uh, <sighs> I think he definitely should throw more than he does, but uh, I think the days of you know just peppering leg kicks are, are against high level competition are are gone. Yeah, yeah, I, I tend to agree as well. And the last one here from uh, from Matt Fryer, 
He goes, would you like to see Derek Lewis versus Jarzinho Rosen? Sure, could it be an ideal three-round slugfest in a co-main or something like that? And now, okay, I don't think you can give Derek Lewis uh, Jarzinho Rosen after he lost. What, has he lost two in a row? He lost last night anyway, and Derek is on such a roll. But I think with Derek, it's very hard to matchmake Derek because, like, it, and it would have been the same for Blades if he had won because you're in that position where you should be the next guy in line and there's a title fight just coming up but John Jones is creeping his way in and like what do you do do you take another fight at heavyweight it's going to be a tough fight whoever it is it's going to be a tough fight to win so you know yeah. you could give him Cyril Gann but then if Cyril Gann goes in there and wins then you know Cyril's a title kinda, shot because you're in like, that, yeah. you don't want him that nine fights in yeah that's it's a tough, it's a tough, that heavyweight division, I I think McMaynard is a matchmaker on that one, it's, you know, I, I don't wish it on him, <laughs> you know, it's a tough division, I think, to matchmake, so we'll be interested to see what happens uh, over the next while, but, um, alright, that's that, um, thanks to everybody for listening, I appreciate all the feedback as well in episode 300 last week, it was very, uh, very enjoyable to record that, and very, um, a very, uh, uh, you know, to, to hear all the, the people talking about it afterwards was very good as well. So, and uh, if you want to support us, um, sign up manscaped.com, uh, use the promo code severe may 20% off and free shipping all over the world. And as well, go download the Fight Picks app, um, join the Severe May Podcast League, and uh, we will be starting next week for UFC 259. So, you know, there'll be bragging rights going around. Graham, I'm going to be destroying you. I'm going to be putting in my picks now here in the next few minutes and stuff. So, um, everyone get involved in that. You know, a bit of crack. Very like the... If, a lot of people do the, the um, Fantasy Premier League. Very, very similar. So, uh, join up with that. Get involved and have a bit of crack with it as well. And uh, support the lads over there. So, uh, that's that. Follow me at ChanchiHinBA on Twitter. Follow Graham at SevereMay. Follow at SevereMayPod as well. And send in your questions all week. Q&A will be out on Patreon Tuesday morning as per usual and uh, myself and Ian are actually going to have a new podcast coming to Patreon uh, maybe like a monthly sort of thing next week so we will announce that and talk about that next week as well so thank you to everybody for listening and all that's left to do is give the inspirational quote of the week it's not how it is it's how you see it we'll see you next Tuesday my brother's on there.